ladies and gentlemen, the commercials. Hello, Ken. I want to play a game. For years, you have exclusively worn designer jeans, mocking those that can't afford or fit them. Society would call you a snob, snooty, and kind of gay. I call you a sissy, unworthy of good jeans. Now we will see if you are willing to look beyond labels. The room you are in is filled with jeans, not designer jeans. They're the kind of jeans worn by weekend fishermen and guys who watch sports. Inside one pair of jeans is a special key that will open the rather large chastity belt you are now wearing. The belt is connected to a small cage. When the timer in the back goes off, a rabid and very hungry squirrel will be released from the cage and into that chastity belt, and will most certainly make a small meal of what it finds. The only way to unlock the device is by trying on each pair one by one. Each time you put a pair on, a camera will take a picture of you and post it on your Facebook page for the world to see. You don't have much time, Ken. That squirrel is getting hungrier by the second. Let the game begin. Coming to you from Studio 6C on the main streets of Brooklyn, New York, this is the Commercials Free Podcast. Yeah! Yeah, we are roughly two-thirds of the sketch rock trio, the commercials. My name is Dave T. Koenig. And this is Kenneth W. Pond. We are coming to you from uh, thecommercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. Magical magic of iTunes. Great show coming up this evening. We've already heard from uh, Jigsaw. And, Jigsaw. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what. I, I stand by my obsession with designer jeans. Mm-hmm. I will not settle for less. And by all means, Dave, when you wear a pair of jeans that you buy from Target, mm-hmm. Walmart, mm-hmm. or the likes for $15, have fun going out and looking like shit. You know, I, I take great pride in the bargains that I find. The bargains on jeans. <sighs> a bargain jeans are like the toupees of denim. <laughs> anyway. We're going to have some fun with Google Voice coming up, and... We have what is just a simply great, great guest coming Amazing, up. Amazing, interesting, sexy, funny, intelligent guest. Uh, it's not Ken, despite that introduction. Oh, we weren't talking about me? No, no, you are a regular feature on the show. Uh, uh, oh, you are a guest co-host. would be someone that doesn't come on all the time. This is correct. This is her first time coming on the show. It's Liz Winstead, co-creator of The Daily Show. Amazing woman. And uh, media mogul extraordinaire. She's a regular She's been contributor. behind some very successful comedic uh, 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 careers endeavors. and endeavors. endeavors. Absolutely. Yeah. She, uh, she. Well, obviously, she was the co-creator of the Daily Show, one of the most influential television shows ever. on the air today, yeah, and perhaps say. ever. Uh, she's also somebody who was uh, involved in the pilot creation of The Man Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has been uh, instrumental in the careers of people like John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, Colbert. and Lewis Black, and just yes. a wow a contributor to the Huffington Post. And and she's got a couple of projects we're going to be talking about that are a lot of fun. And uh, we're also probably going to get into some politics. I just have to guess. Well, we have no choice when it involves Liz. That is true. But Liz. she is wonderful, intelligent, sexy, filthy mouthed Liz Winston. And uh, Ken has just a tiny crush on her I do I always have actually yeah it's, when she was on the show if you noticed she wasn't on the show yet right but when right. she's gonna but be on the show we do the show prep right when we right. do the show prep yeah um, 
I didn't talk because I was shy. Yeah, you were shy. And those were just, that was just her picture on the website. Exactly. I wouldn't even talk to that picture. So we're hoping that Ken's going to contribute to the conversation uh, because Liz Winstead is a, is, is, is a, a person we want to hear from and ask questions of. Exactly. Yeah. But I just hope she doesn't ask me questions because I'll be like, <laughs> I like seasoned chicken. But this is why people like you because you're vulnerable. You, 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 you exude an air of vulnerability, which I think makes you uh, more approachable than someone, someone like me in my $15 jeans. I, you know, I can take or leave that because I don't know whether there's a compliment or not. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> that means yes. Uh, Silence, by the way, also means yes. Yeah, it also means we need to do some editing later on the show. Yeah. Uh, we are going to also play a new segment uh, on the show uh, called Ask the Experts, but that's coming up in a little bit. Uh, starting the show, I wanted to ask Ken. Um, Ken comes from a family of uh, mostly female siblings. Uh, you have, yeah, you have, I have three younger female sisters. Which had to have been uh, interesting growing up. Well, you learn a lot about women. That's and why. that's where you become anxious, and as you grow older, yes, and vulnerable, and vulnerable, yes, and fearful. Now, your sister, not too long ago, has okay, celebrated yes. her my birthday. Sister, my sister had her thirtieth birthday, which is a big deal. Absolutely, yeah, for I anybody. would say your thirtieth birthday is bigger than your say twenty-first birthday. In a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, it represents a, 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 a milestone, if you will. Yes, it in, does. In your, in your existence. That is true. And in your growth as a person. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit. Not at all. But the, 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 uh, uh, what we decided to do is her and her boyfriend and my sister, middle sister of all three, Cassie, decided to throw together a surprise party for her. For your sister, Jill. Jill. Okay. Jill. Who is a really sweet, delightful girl? And when, when it, it, it was at a bar, we we kind of reserved this back space mm-hmm. of the bar where people weren't allowed unless they were in our party. But at some point, the bouncers just don't give a shit, so we're getting people <laughs> back there who didn't belong. Little old gate crashers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, wonderful event. She was so happy and surprised and. Just the effect we wanted, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But all in all, it was a very interesting night uh, because you get everybody comes out for your thirtieth. People you've known in high school. It's just if if they know you even well enough to, you know, not, even if I'm talking to you in a while, they're going to come to big events like that. Right. Well, I sort of like dare I say the crossroads of of your young and and older life. Right. That's sort of like, it's like the crossing over moment. Like, if there was a John Edward who talked to people who were crossing over. to be 30. Yeah. John Edward, we started off as a guy at 21 who would talk to people who were 35. Well, well, that would mean that me and you, in order to speak to our parents or anybody else, have to speak through John Edwards. Well, no, it's if we want to speak to somebody who is younger than 30. Then younger than us. Because we both crested that that, that big number. He'd be a busy freaking man. Let me tell you, yeah. you would have to talk to a lot of people for me. Well, I mean, have you ever tried to talk to a 22-year-old? It's like talking to a brick wall. Actually, you do need a medium to talk to a 22-year-old. And this is why John Edward is a valuable guy. But go on about this This is party. my impression of a 22-year-old. Oh, okay, go ahead. You ready? Yeah. 
Hi. Do you, uh, <laughs> uh, are you enjoying uh, living uh, in your parents' basement? <laughs> Just high was going to be the impression. Well, I, no, no, I was going to ask. Oh, you, you know, want me to continue to, yeah, in the character of a 20? Do I enjoy living in my parents' basement? Yeah, it's okay. Hard yeah. to have sex, but now, pretty good. Uh, now, you wanted to talk to somebody. I'm getting the... I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a B. Someone with a B. It does B... Is B significant in some way? Yeah. Um, Once I saw a B. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe it's a maybe it's somebody's birthday. Uh, maybe the B stands for birthday. Somebody in like February, May, uh, June. I think you're leading me. You know they should have a judge. <laughs> they should have a judge in psychic session, like an American Idol for uh, for psychics for psychics. That's and as good. soon as they start their bullshit, like. I know you have someone close to you right now in your life mm -hmm. that you really care about. Is that true? And the person goes, oh, my God, that's so true. Yeah, because who the doesn't? The judge being like, <clears throat> objection. Yeah. yeah, right, right. That could be <clears throat> anything leading the witness, you know. And that way, qualifying psychics. There should be some oversight. Oh, so you like you want you want like a full court proceeding. Yeah. Oh, that can, that okay. can say, I object. I declare the a carnival psychic. <clears throat> I declare the an official Reliable person with a sixth sense. You know what I think works really well too? Uh, dunking them in water. And if they live, they're a witch. <laughs> anyway, I want to get back to this party. You're at this party at this bar well, in New York on. City. No, Dave, no. All no, I'm right. Sorry. I have to drag you back into the last whatever the hell that was you just did. Okay, yes. Was that a play on the Monty Python thing? If it's, if she's a. If she floats, she's a witch. If she sinks or whatever. It's not a play on a Monty Python thing. It's a it's a play on the Salem Witch Trials where that was the actual test. They did that? They dunked potential witches in a special chair. And if they survived the ordeal, they were a witch because they had some magic spell to protect them. And if they died... You know why that's stupid? Uh, gee, gosh. Hold on. No, no, no. Oh, okay. not, not even for the normal reasons. Oh, okay. Because if she does live, you're screwed. She is some kind of indestructible killing That's witch a good person. point. That's a good point. So I would hope... Also, too, you think witches aren't so powerful, they can't play dead? <laughs> and then once you, you bury them, they just come back up and go about witching again? I think this is where uh, a lot of um, modern movie cliches come from. Where my, you, My they, mouth? Yes. So... Yeah. You're at the bar. Yeah, so, so, so listen, listen. In general, I don't want to say anything bad. I'm not going to name names. But there were some weird things that happened. It was good to see all old people because me and Jill are only two or three years apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, her friends were my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, some of her friends were my friends, but I didn't like them so much. You know, so it was so interesting you were seeing forced that friends. Forced with. friends, okay, kinda, I understand. Uh, you know, to politely say hello. And, yes, of course. Um, well, anyway, it, 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 one of the really funny things that happened was one of them came up. One of your friends I haven't seen in fifteen years, just in a off the cuff kind of way, walked by me and turned to me and went, "You need a haircut." Whoa! And kept walking. That was the only thing she said. Only thing she said. I felt. Like saying, "Hey, can you come back here a second? Oh, who the fuck? Yeah, do you really. Thank you. Yeah. Are? How dare you? 
I was also like, you know, I've got a suggestion for you. Mm-hmm. You need to lose about 60 to 70 pounds from your midsection. How would you like if I said that to you? Ouch. Now, I know that's not as bad as saying you need a haircut. But back the off me. Absolutely. I haven't spoken to you in forever. I don't need your beauty tips. Yeah. I mean, you know? generally you think that in 15 years time, somebody has realized that, that, that whatever span you knew somebody way back when, that nothing applies anymore. Yeah, if I, if I run into somebody or I talk to somebody I went to high school with, which was more than 15 years ago, I think there's this mutual understanding that you've done stuff since then and so have I. Therefore, None of the standard rules apply, and I have to treat you like a virtual stranger in terms of how much respect I'm going to exactly. give you. Exactly. Yeah. Mutual respect is the bottom line. That's, I'm a big fan of mutual respect. That's terrible. If you give me respect and say, you know, even if she was like, look, I know it's been a while since we talked, but I think you would look so great if your hair was short. That's much more That positive. is respectful, and yeah. I will be respectful back. Absolutely. In fact, I'll be so respectful, I'll probably try to get you in bed by the end of the night. That's how respectful I'll That's, be. That is extreme respect. And you know how the, I knew when you respected me? Is when I tried to take you home. Exactly right. right. You knew that. You well, were tender and kind, and I, I found <coughs> myself lost in your respect. And my blue, dreamy eyes. Well, that goes without saying. Um, one of the things that did happen that was amusing. Now, I, you're not familiar with this because once again, you, you don't you don't touch you don't hit the booze. I don't I don't uh, I don't touch the stuff. Well, then you must know you must have heard at least yes. there is this phenomenon that happens when a man is drunk. And mm-hmm. It's limited to men in this specific sense where you're 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 not super drunk. You're a little drunk. You're you're just right drunk. Uh huh. And there's this little part of the back of your mind that says, it's an urge almost, that says, I'd really like to start a fucking fight right now. Oh, no, I, I mean, I may not drink, the, of course. So like right, liquid right. courage and... and no, not so much liquid courage, because <clears throat> courage would imply that if someone tried to beat me now, I would defend me and my family. It's like, I want to start shit. Oh, I, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want someone Similar, to but piss me yeah. off, or I want to piss someone off, and I want to get into it. I feel like... It brings out. It, I guess the alcohol takes away your inhibitions, and more primal things come in. Right, play. your aggression builds. Yeah, yeah. well, some um, people. And this is the point where I'm not going to name names. Don't name names. One of my sisters. That yeah, you have a one out of three chance of guessing <laughs> which one. Well, we don't know the name of the third. So right, started drunkenly dancing on the couches at this place. Okay. And a bouncer came up to her and. Kind of said, get down and grabbed her by the arms. Okay. Forcefully. Uh-huh. And I would say a more than, you know, in a way more than, than necessary. He used excessive force. <laughs> That's a gay way to put it, but yeah, okay. I'm sorry. So, what? So, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, I, you know, I didn't want to use a cliche and you used one. And so it's, it it's the legal term. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Excessive force. Okay. Did a little more than he should. And everyone being liquored up how they were, and I told you of that male desire to, yes, yeah. to want to punch the, the drunk aggressive, aggressive this, drunk. This sister's boyfriend flipped his shit <laughs> and lunged at the bouncer. Oh, come on. As soon as that boyfriend lunged at the bouncer, another sister's boyfriend oh, no. was like, I want to go too, which I can completely understand. Friends, they're always around each other. 
It's like if my friends fighting, I'm fighting too. Oh. And and then it, so what inevitably happened <coughs> was <coughs> there was like a, a flood of people of guys and these two boyfriends by the way are are rigorous athletes. Okay. And massive muscularly. All right, so they they can There were at their least own. I would say 10 men trying to peel these boyfriends off the poor bouncer. Oh, so in a situation where usually everyone would be holding the bouncer back from being a jerk, yeah. they're trying to save this bouncer's life. So, not really. I mean, it Well, but, but you know, when, but bouncers tend to take care of business. This one really didn't. Uh-oh. I could say this when, when all was said and done, he was terrified. Really? He was. I've never seen a more terrified man. Well, anyway... In the moment when everyone rushed, there was a bit of confusion in my mind because for some reason I pictured the bouncer lunging at this boyfriend when really it was the other way around. Okay. So I immediately jumped on the pile of guys myself and reached, because I have long gangly arms and fingers, reached around to try to grab the collar of the person they were trying to pull off, who I thought was the bouncer pulling off the boyfriend. Okay. So I, I was able to grab this person's collar. Uh-huh. And as soon as I got it, I pulled it up as hard as I could. And it, that's when it, everything started the, them able to pull them away. Because I guess the discomfort of feeling like you're being strangled by your own shirt. That, that does cause tend you to, to cause yeah. you to rethink. Ex- yeah. Rethink your position. Yeah. And I pulled it up. And it, in my hand was the boyfriend. Wow. Not the bouncer. And I looked down at the bouncer, and he was terrified. So basically, to sum up, Ken Pond, hero to America. No, 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 whoa, whoa, no, 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 Because anybody that was there and hears that is going to be like, that is a load of bullshit. He shat his pants the moment everything went down. He started crying I, I as did. soon as his sister jumped up on the couch. No, there were moments of confusion. Uh, there was also moments where I'm standing there and I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. My heart is racing. Well, you know, sure, which sure. Is a Adrenaline, thing. yeah. But um, really, really interesting night. I can imagine. Um, yeah. I and, and your parents were there, right? Well, they were lucky enough to leave oh, okay. prior to this drunken misbehavior. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like we're a uh, Maury Polvidge family. No, no. Where, uh, you know, it's just you get an event that's well expected and going to be well celebrated, and you add alcohol to it, and because you get excited and have fun, you add more alcohol to it than you should. (laughs) Sometimes these things are going to happen. It's not like we've all hung out at my house Everyone gets drunk, and all of a sudden, a fight breaks out between my dad and and one of the boyfriends. And they're they're you know that never happens. So this is a very rare occurrence in my family, which which made it interesting because they're all very peaceful. Yeah, nice, well, that, I mean that's what I'm saying. People. Like I'm glad that your parents were out of there because I can. I mean I know if I found myself in a physical situation, one of the, I mm-hmm. would worry about how my parents were doing. First of all, well, first of all, let me just tell you something. My dad would have killed everyone in there instantaneously with his hands. My dad, as old as he is, was in the military, was a platoon sergeant, and one of the things he mastered was hand-to-hand combat. Oh, jeez, wow! And can I tell you that the man is <clears throat> uh, approaching eighty years old, and he could kill me with his thumbs 
basically. I mean, he really, really is not someone that messes around physically. And he's built like a wired ox. So he probably would have wiped the floor with everything. In which case, I wish he did stay. Yeah, kind of like, I'm, now I'm yeah. like, A, I wish your dad had been there. And B, I wish I had been, had there. been there. Yeah. Because it would have been like a Van Damme movie. I mean, my dad does that thing like, you know, when someone's about to punch him, he turns around and runs up the wall in the ceiling and then <laughs> spins around and lands on the person's shoulders and punches them on the head while sitting on their shoulders. Oh, man. I mean, that kind of stuff. He's Can we amazing. Get your dad to do like WrestleMania or something? Yeah, because I, I would pay money to see your dad. My Enter dad's the, the octagon. person that will do anything for money. So, yeah. I think we're going to have to st- like have a live event that features bouts between people we would like to see fight. I mean, I mean your dad against uh <clears throat> man, name it. I mean, let's find that bouncer. My dad versus uh Don Rickles. Your dad versus Don Rickles. Don Rickles would be destroyed. My dad versus Carrot Top, the entertainer. As muscular as he is, your dad could take him. Oh, my God. My dad would destroy him. Um, uh, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, been dead 80 years. You're- he would house her. And, I mean, when you come back de- that decomposed from the grave, you're a powerful zombie. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you are that dead yeah. and are able to somehow immerse yourself... I mean, uh, de-immerse. If you're that old and able to exhume yourself spontaneously, I don't want any part of you. (laughs) I I, I literally would not want to go near. But your dad... He would touch that. Rip her apart. He would be like, wait, where I come from... Well, this is what he would say to Eleanor Roosevelt when she wanted to start a fight. Because, you know, in the the SmackDown stuff, they always talk trash and dirty. Well, yeah, that's part of the fun. And Eleanor Roosevelt would be like, I've been dead for nearly 100 years, but I am ready to to kick the shit out of you. And my dad would say, you know what? Where I come from, we say nice things to other people, not kinds of things that you just said to me. So you know what? Zombie of Eleanor Roosevelt... You're going down like you're an Asian clown. And then Eleanor Roosevelt would say, I dealt with a lot worse than you in my time. You may think that my husband spent his days in a wheelchair, but he could kick your ass. And And he taught me everything I know about fighting. And then my dad would say, but there for the grace of God go you. When I'm kicking your ass. Someday at the Garden on pay-per-view. It's Mr. Pond versus the corpse of Eleanor Roosevelt. You'll buy a seat, but you'll only need the edge. The edge. The edge. You are listening to the commercials free podcast on the commercials.tv. Immersing yourself in drunken violence. And the magic of iTunes. Now, we've had some fun... Uh, for several weeks now with uh, Google Voice. If this is something new to you, can explain Google Voice. Well, Google Voice, Dave, or as the Italian was pronounced, Google Voce, <laughs> is a free service that Google gives to you as long as you have a Google account, such as Gmail or Google Calendar or even YouTube. It's a free service. You don't have to pay for it. They give you your own phone number, and they even give you a voicemail. So, you can route this number they give you to several phones. 
You could also receive text messages at this number and read them online or it can be forwarded to your mobile device. In addition to that, you can get voicemails and read them transcribed into text so you can read them discreetly. And that part of the Google Voice service is what has interested us greatly. You know why? Because as good as the service is, that part of it sucks the big one. It is rather inaccurate. Inaccurate. Yeah. So we set up a voicemail account. Uh, Here's the number, 347-829-PUNK. Punk. P-U-N-K or 347-829-7865 if you are uh, alphabetically challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we did was we opened up the phone lines and we said, hey, please call us. And and we just left it open and, and whoever wanted to call in could. Yeah. And we got a bunch of calls and we've been uh, listening to them and, and reading the transcripts. And it's been a lot of fun. In fact, we have so many that we're, we're actually going to throw some of them up on our website at thecommercials.tv. It's a hopper and a chopper and a one, two, three. It's Yeah, yeah, so Ricky, get this, get this shit. I'm walking down Park Avenue, you know, this morning, about 7 a.m., this freaking bum, he says to me, excuse me, sir, you got a quarter so I can make a phone call? I said, give me a fucking break. You know me, you know what I'm giving. I don't give out change to the homeless people. But the worst thing is that this fucking douchebag actually thinks I'm going to, actually thinks I'm going to think he needs to make a phone call. You don't got a quarter of your fucking name. What the hell do you need to make a phone call for? That's what I'm saying. Like, who are you going to call? You would do what the fuck? Like, oh, you need a quarter to make a phone. Just say I need a quarter so I can get more quarters so eventually I can buy cigarettes and booze and drugs and prostitutes. Don't tell me you're going to make a phone call. I wasn't born yesterday. For crying the fuck out loud, do I look like I was born yesterday? Do I look like a fucking sucker? Because I don't think I look like a sucker. So I said to him, I said, fuck you, I don't got a quarter for you to make a phone call. And then I walked away. It was like, give me a fucking break. You got to be fucking kidding me. A quarter to make a phone call. Fuck you. Anyway, uh, let me know if you want to meet up for lunch today. I was thinking about... Ah, shit, I'm, I want to block too far. I got I to gotta go back a block. Look, I got I to gotta call you back. I got to call you back. Uh, catch me if you want to meet up for lunch, all right, baby? Love you, bye. All right, so that's the message that was left on wow. our voicemail box. And there's a couple of things I really love about that. First of all, it seems like he's driving. It does? Yes. Second of all, we have no idea who that was. I have no idea who that is. My favorite and perhaps, uh, my, the third and perhaps my favorite part is that for some reason he calls us Ricky. He calls us collectively Ricky. Yes, he calls us the commercials as a one unit Ricky. So I think we have a new nickname. And you know, the foulest mouth. Oh yeah, without I a have doubt. Ever heard? I thought I, I thought I was a, a, a lewd and lascivious. A speaker, but that one not even wow. close. He took the cake. Rapid fire, like bam, 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 bam. Curse word after. But curse you know word. he does have a point. What <clears> business <throat> does a homeless person have making a phone call? You should have bigger problems, like getting a job, and 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 getting off welfare because that's our money. I I work to make that money. Well, that's the spirit of the season, I believe. And. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Merry Christmas, <clears throat> by the way, everyone. Yeah, and uh, goodwill towards men. Now, okay, you heard this this message, and you got a sense of what the guy said, and and especially the the swear words that were heavily peppered in. But what we found is that when you take the transcript of those messages and read them aloud, they take on a whole new feel, a new meaning, and uh, so. 
we decided to um, read them aloud, but this time, uh, <coughs> the very talented musical accompanist Ken W. Oh, Pond the hell up. is going to be uh, providing the background music for this particular edition of Fun with Google Voice. So if a little, little, little mood music, Ken. You got it. Yes, there, if you get this, position of walking down Park Avenue this morning at 7 a.m., the Spurgeon bomb. He says that stews, he says that the cooler, so I don't make a phone call. If you give me a break, you know, I mean, you want to get out and get a change the whole sea books. With the worst thing is, I just wanted to stack to actually think. I'm actually think I'm gonna see. If you need to make a phone call, you back earlier insane with that you needed want to make a phone call for that stuff and like. So give me a call. You would be what the... So I called you need, and to coordinate, of up, just a Dakota, so I can get more court, <laughs> is Sylvester. <laughs> Deckham I cigarettes and blows and rugs and prostitutes. Don't tell me and make a phone call back or point yesterday. I think I have talking out loud still has one just to do a little sucks and feels like ASAP. So I said, services, you are back. Or if you make a phone call and I walked away. It was like, give me a break yet. Every kidding me. According to the phone call with you. Anyway, let me know if you want to meet up for lunch to have. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ashley. <coughs> I want a block to fly to Saddleback, a black book. I got I gotta call you later <laughs> Call me backyard Talk to you going to have lunch I baby Love you Bye Oh my goodness That is the Google transcription Of the Google voicemail We received to Ricky Oh man Now, now, now tell me something Yes sir the part that interested me was the saddle. Yes. Sentence. Could you yes. read that back for me? Oh, absolutely. Uh, by all means, I I will read that. Um, You're a hell of a guy for doing that for me. Hey, absolutely. Read the damn oh, thing. Oh, Ashley, I had to find it. Let me. It's called vamping. Come on, you should oh, know this. Oh, vamping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ashley, I want a block to fly to Saddleback, a black book. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Well, the, I, I really like that expression, saddlebacking a black book. Yeah, I think from and now on. I think what that means, mm -hmm. when you saddleback a black book, mm -hmm. it means you sneak into a guy's apartment, steal his book of women he sleeps with and calls, and you copy them into your own black book. Hey, stop saddlebacking my own black book. Yes. Hey, pal. Are you saddlebacking? Are you saddlebacking my black book? Hey, I'm not saddlebacking your black book. You saddlebacked my black book. Maybe we're just sleeping with the same women and it's a coincidence. Let's start trusting one another. Hey, let's go get a beer.
Yeah, let's go drink beer like men do. You are listening to the Commercials Free Podcast on the Commercials.tv. Barely. And the magic of iTunes. When we come back, Liz Winstead, the co-creator of The Daily Show. Yeah. We'll be right back. Well, Ken, I've got some great news for you. What's that? Well, we've made it really easy for somebody to be a sponsor of the Commercials Free Podcast. What do they have to do? All they have to do is visit us at thecommercials.tv, click on the send us an email link, and just tell us what you want to do. We'll produce a commercial for you, or we'll use your pre-produced commercial on the air. Only a big corporation like Microsoft would sponsor us, right? No. Lots of small companies are eligible, too. We're that affordable. You're kidding me. I don't kid you. That's so affordable, I think even I can do it. And I haven't even told you the number. What is the number? But if you feel like advertising and you're not stupid, email us at info at thecommercials.tv. One of our hundreds and hundreds of representatives will get back to you right away, i.e. me and Dave at home in our underwear. Or not. Mostly not at all. Dave. Yep. You know what that means. This music can only mean one thing, and that it's time for another podcast podcast, to podcast. To podcast. This time around, we have just got a fantastic guest joining Pick us on the guest. phone. Yes. Uh, you may know that she is the co-creator of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Uh, she and Madeline Smithberg co-created the show, and now, since then, she has gone on to be a very influential media member in various ways, whether it's yeah. uh, contributing to the Huffington Post or producing uh, her own shows that are now available uh, on the internet and on stage, and she's got uh, a new podcast, and we're just thrilled to have her with us. It's Liz Winstead. Liz, thank you so much for being with us. What was the progression for you going from a stand-up and a very successful stand-up to somebody who is so prolific uh, in media in general? Mm. Well, it was funny because I was doing stand-up and I realized, you know, I was on the road for over, uh, like, over 10 years. And I was just kind of getting burnt out by it. And I had been going on, um, there used to be this show on Comedy Central called Women Allowed mm-hmm. that Mo Gaffney hosted of, of the Kathy and Mo show. And, um, and I would go on that show and do stand-up like three times a season. And then third season, she said, would you have any desire to come on and be a writer for me and, help, and write my monologues and stuff? And I was like, it didn't even occur to me, really. I was like, do I want to write for someone else? Weird. Um, and so I knew her act really well, and I kind of knew her style. And so I took the job, and I wrote for her. And it was interesting, because the second she said something that I wrote, and it came out of her mouth, and she got a laugh, I got the same rush that I did when I did stand-up. Yeah. Oh, so sure, like, yeah. This is really awesome um, to have somebody execute something, and it made me feel really great. And it really was a sort of sigh of relief, because as we all know as performers, it's just... You, you want to be able to be as have as many avenues you can go down as possible to have your creative outlet flow because once you start getting into the thick of it, sometimes they aren't going to want you to be the performer. Sometimes they're going to want you to be the writer. 
And so um, I did that. I wrote on that. And then I wrote for some other Comedy Central shows. And then um, a segment produced on Jon Stewart's um, uh, syndicated show. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he did a, well, that got canceled. He went into a development deal with Worldwide Pants. And then Comedy Central said, do you want to help develop this show that's on every day? Yeah, it's sort like, of like, okay. it's like a daily show, I and think. And then we call, creatively <laughs> called it The Daily Show. <laughs> and it stuck? And um, I had no idea how to run a writer's room. I had no idea how to do anything. I learned how to be a head writer and a producer solely by fucking up <laughs> and realizing <laughs> that the path to wrong. So what's good about that is whenever somebody starts down a road of an idea they think it might work, it's like, yeah, that's not going to work, and here's why. Because I did that, and it was fucked. So <laughs> I took it in the ass for you, and uh, be happy, because we're not going to take it down that road. So it's kind of nice to learn all the mistakes, because you know what they are, and then you can just kind of, um, it's a little bit easier. It's harder at first, but now I kind of know all the bad ideas. That's the best way to learn, in my opinion, you know, because you can't learn any better as far as what not to do. Right. You know? If only I could go back to high school, because I, I couldn't have made more mistakes. But you don't get a second chance there, you know? No, that's you know, true. It's true, because the thing is that if you know what's funny, that's a pretty good... Or, or I believe that I kind of know in the, in the genres that I work in, I've had, to, I've had some pretty decent success with kind of responding to the world and, and political humor and, and pop culture and sort of that social critique kind of crap. Right. Um, and so I kind of know what's funny, so the path to how to get it there... <coughs> is really um, the one you want to really learn how to do because you want to make sure you're not rehashing the same thing. You want to make sure that your joke is relevant. You want to make sure that you're not just doing a dick joke for the sake of doing a dick joke. It's a really good dick joke. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. Like that. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, Where? How? when do you feel you started to take such an interest in, in political stuff? Because obviously that's a huge part of your career now. Uh, right. Were you? Did you grow up were you connected to politics, or is that something that you kind of Not found along the at way? All. You know, my politics was pure. Like, I'm a college dropout. I'm a self-educated person. Like, I, my parents are arch conservatives in a, in Minnesota, which is a state that's incredibly progressive politically. Mm. So it was like I had them telling me one thing, and sort of the rest of the state telling me something else. So wow! <laughs> yeah. Um, so it really came for me. It really came from kind of like m- messing up. And then who helped me out when I messed up? And it was never kind of the moral, the people who preached all this morality were always the ones to run away um, if, if I fucked up in some way. And it was always kind of the progressive people who said, hey, you know what? Don't let it define you. We can help you. Why not? You know, so my politics just sort of grew from life experience and me being, you know, learning as I go along. I'm a pretty curious person, and even, as, even as a kid I was, like, I wanted to be an altar boy, and back when I was a kid, <laughs> they didn't let girls be altar boys. And so when I go to the priest, uh, I want to be an altar boy. He goes, you can't because you're a girl. And I said, well, that's easily fixable if you just call me altar girl. You know, like, <laughs> that was the obstacle. So it's really, I, I, I somehow had this instinct, even when I was little, like, I just didn't suffer fools. Mm. He's like, that's not a good enough excuse. That's a retarded excuse. Exactly. Well, if you're not a boy, and you happen to have the word boy printed on stuff, like that's ridiculous. Exactly. Like the in the archdiocese, and my mother was mortified. Um, and eventually, they got altar girls. Not while I was around, but um, you know, 
So I think they figured out that that boy part, bad excuse. So you were like the Rosa Parks of, <laughs> of altar girls. Was, Minnesota so I altar I was, I was kids. At the, I was at the back of the church. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so you, you've, the back of the church. you've been fighting against a lot of grains, I guess, since way back when. And, and now a lot of what you do is very outspoken. You're, you're very passionate about... Uh, certain ideals and 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 uh, what's going on in, in the government right now and um, given what's going on in the country right now what I mean there you could pick 18 different subjects but what's the biggest thing that's that's killing this country right now or what's the biggest thing that's pissing you off there you go better the biggest thing that's pissing me off I guess the biggest thing you know it's interesting because my sort of my my comedic philosophy when it comes to talking about politics is if you've been given power and you choose to abuse it or use it poorly you become my target so I'm not an apologist for any party I happen to have ideals that are closer to the Democratic Party or the shell of what it used to be (laughs) Um, and so you know when you ask that question for me I feel like um, you know we were handed this horrible economic problem from the Bush administration but then Obama put in place these buffoons like Geithner and Larry Summers and all of these people and Volcker and these people who were you know responsible for setting you know the laws with which we got here and there they are you know giving this free ride to these banks and Goldman Sachs you know so that I think is a problem healthcare I think is a problem um, you as know, far as I'm, I'm not smart I mean I feel like the Democrats are sort of spineless. And I don't know why they, they, when they have the majority, they're kowtowing. It's almost like the Democrats have become sort of centrist Republicans, and the Republicans have become um, the party of the Lord. Yeah, they're yeah. The party of the Lord. They're serving their God. Because when you look at, you know, health care, I was on a health care call. I've been infiltrating calls lately. People mm. have been sending me conference call numbers and passwords to strategy meetings. I listened in on the National Tea Party strategy meeting for 2010, and they were actually heckling themselves at one point, screaming at each other, (laughs) talk about gathering, talk about lying. It was crazy. Wow. That is insane. And then I was on a call with Mitch McConnell's, um, she works at Mitch McConnell's office for him, one of his staffers, and she was saying that life issues are the number one issue in the health care bill, so they should, they don't want to pass it, they don't want to fix it, they want to kill it all based on life issues, which means they're talking about abortion. Jeez. And it's oh, like, for God's sakes. For God's sakes. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's the law of the land. So can't you guys find some compromise on health care? I mean, or, or just have rational thought in your Republican minds that you are against it and come up with other plans? Because it certainly seems like it is all this weird faith-based junk yeah. that is still in our public policy talks. It shouldn't be there. Jeez. Well, you know, when I was growing up, comedians were on the fringes and they, and they maybe talked about, like George Carlin talked about important issues, but generally speaking, they were there to be funny. It right. seems like nowadays, comedians have become the sanest, most rational thinking people on the planet. Should right. we just create a comedian's party? Yeah, maybe a third party. Wow, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. Well, there's always been comics as sort of social critics. They've always kind of been out there and, um, you know, if you look back and see some of Carson's monologues and stuff, they were certainly more biting um, than sort of what we're getting now. Some of it's funny what we're getting, but it, it, it was certainly more biting. But um, I do believe that a lot of us 
you know, when you watch the news, when the media has become such a player in the political landscape, I mean, I feel like the media has a bigger role in the build-up to the war and the health care, all of it, you know, because they're not, there's no journalists anymore. Right. You watch TV and you watch these shows, and I don't care if it's people who espouse a political view that I think or from the right, there's no one who's doing investigative journalism anymore. You watch these shows, there's people just wondering aloud behind the desk, <laughs> and they're just wondering the same things we are as regular citizens, because if they get $3 million a year, and we just sit on our couch and wonder aloud and get nothing. Get right, fucked. yeah. How do I get that gig? You know, yeah, seriously. Yeah, like so know. job. Oh man. Well, let me ask you this. It sounds like it sounds like uh, right now neither party is the party that you want to really be uh, you could really stand behind so much. It seems like both yeah. Republicans and Democrats right now are kind of in this like I would say like cabin fever. They've all been locked up together for too long <laughs> and they're well, bad. You know what it is too? It is They've been locked, you know, it's actually the opposite, believe it or not. And this is sort of, a, there's two things that are going along. There is, every politician is always, the day they get elected, they go and they get drink, drunk. And then the next day they start campaigning to get elected again. You know, the money that comes from corporate interests is infiltrated both parties. So that it really is almost, you can't differentiate. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not Republicans holding up health care. It's. Democrats, you know, it's these Democrats who have taken so much money from the lobbies of the healthcare industry. You know, if those if those people were on board, they would just pass the bill without the Republicans. You know, but they of can't. Course, and yeah. so, you know, they both take so much money. But secondly, and this is a really interesting thing, it used to be in the olden days of politics that guys didn't go back to their the money wasn't as big in it. So everybody stayed in Washington and politicians got apartments with other politicians mm. and they lived mm -hmm. in Washington and they stayed in Washington and those are the old days like when you hear about like Warren Hatch giving that amazing speech about <coughs> Ted Kennedy um, at his for his eulogy it's because back then people hung out and had dinner and they might may have had completely um, opposite viewpoints but they actually got to know each other as people mm. and and that has stopped uh. in politics and it's really it's, it's, it's very interesting but it's a real bummer because these guys go home home and home to their families and they don't have that hang time you know it's funny that's the same stuff they say about uh sports teams nowadays it used yeah, to be where they'd go exactly out after the game yep. and they'd hang out and they'd have dinner together and then they'd create a camaraderie and they'd say oh here's our job let's all go do it together right right right, right. and yeah, i would assume fascinating stuff the psychology behind all of it is it's pretty fascinating. It's kind of like, I mean, we all know people, I don't know where you guys stand politically, but we all have friends who have, you know, a completely different viewpoint than us. But because we know them so well and we've seen them, like, interact with, like, a sick parent or right, do right. really great things and help out their neighbors, you, you really love that person and, and you agree to disagree on stuff and, and you can find a way. And if you're just never getting to know someone, then it does become this uproarious, Nutty train that doesn't nothing gets solved, and yeah, then we're the yeah. ones that get screwed. Us regular folks. That's yeah, an, that's an excellent point, and in a, in a large way too, it would seem like it would be unfortunate this getting to know each other and, and hanging out in groups in this uh, going for the same kind of thing. It seems like there's almost a lack of checks and balances. 
yeah. in the sense personally if it's like whoa dude you're going a little crazy with that <laughs> you might want to tone it down it seems like that would su- suffers as well without that camaraderie well it's really true and when you look at um like you like you know when they have, you look at these rallies these tea people rallies and they really do have a lot of hateful rhetoric and when you watch the let's say that the the marriage equality march that was in Washington, those people weren't holding signs up of the people that they hated in Washington. They were talking about passionately about why they felt like they they should be validated in their marriages. And, um, you know, there's a time and place for all that. If you're protesting a war, then stuff comes out. And, you know, I think anybody who uses Hitler is just historically lame. I just yeah, think you're lazy historically. Yeah. Like, yeah. really? Is that the only person you know that's bad because that's why you say Hitler all the time? Yeah, that's really too easy. It's cheap. It's yeah. cheap. I heard it's Charlie cheap. Manson was bad. Maybe they'll start using him. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see them holding up a poster of Hitler with, like, a sharpie Hitler mustache on Hitler. <laughs> 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 I don't even know. That's, that's right. really where we're heading. <laughs> oh, um, man. What a... Um, I want to see if we could tie this into your career because we we did sort of want to talk about you and and his, and, and the politics stuff is great, um, but sort of tying it together. Uh, sure. Last year, uh, we're about a year out from having elected Obama, right. and there was a feel good, uh, you know, a lot of people were in this feel good mood, uh, having just I guess we all felt a sense of accomplishment for having elected somebody who, you know, thirty forty years ago wouldn't have never even oh, had a chance. White. Right. <laughs> right. So we're slow incrementally making progress. Yes. That's right. Outside of outside of like that feel good aspect of it, where did you stand on him and and how has that changed in the last year? Well, I mean, I I supported Obama even over Hillary because I felt like I was never for the war and her war vote to me just um I felt I felt actually pretty psyched that I, that the country has evolved to a place where just because there was a woman running, I could say, well, she's not the right candidate for me. There'll mm. be another woman I can vote for, and I feel strongly about that. So I supported him. Um, I think I supported I, I never thought he was, like, a progressive or anything. I mean, the guy comes from a political machine that still exists that's broken. Uh-huh. And so I was like, you know, I was I was hopeful that what he said, he, he sounded like a Democrat. You know, he sounded like, oh, he really does think that we shouldn't torture people and that we really need to get out of Iraq and that he's really going to, um, you know, hold these financial institutions' feet to the fire and, and not give them a free pass. And so, you know, there were certain things like that. But I said, okay, um, that sounds like those are good plans. And then the second he got elected, he just started putting in Rahm Emanuel and Geithner and Summers and sort of all these old guard people from the old machine and then he just quickly revealed himself to who, to not being somebody who had Democrat values. He just was like he's he's carried through a lot of bush crap, and you know he's disappointing. Yeah. You know he hasn't yeah. led on health care. Yeah. So I mean I, I I just thought he would be, I thought he would um, stick to what he said he was going to do, which wasn't all that radical. But instead, it's just been um, handing the reins over to people who are just were part of the problem in Clinton's, Clinton's administration, Bush's, and, and beyond. <laughs> now, now, relating that to um, the television and, and general media sense, um, 
Do you feel that that not enough criticism is made of Obama specifically the way we were very like ready to just jump all over Bush and justifiably so in my mind? Um, Is that not happening fast enough? I feel like there's certain things that you give someone a pass on, of course, because if you enact policies, they take a while to implement. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, I don't hear critical. I don't hear um, critical thinking when it comes to Obama. I hear sort of inflamed rhetoric about Obama. Hmm. You know, there's many flaws in health care. Bring those up, certainly. There's many flaws in the way he's handled the economy. Bring those up. Afghanistan, holy moly. You know, <laughs> an article came out um, just, just recently that said it's going to cost now, it's going to be basically, the, the, if we say the course, it will be a billion dollars per soldier. A mil, I'm sorry, a million dollars per soldier hmm. that oh, goes to a, each soldier that goes to Afghanistan. Hmm. So, um, you know, that policy is crazy. Hmm. So I think, I wish they would just, again, reporters, journalists, they just don't seem to be having great critical thinking so that you could hold him up to a higher standard because he seems like somebody who might listen if if there was actual smart people asking critical questions about the decisions he's making. But instead, we hear he's a Muslim and a Marxist and a socialist. It's like, how do you be all those three things? <laughs> right. You can't even be all those three things. Well, well maybe they're just afraid to, to get into the nitty-gritty because they're afraid it'll just come off as racism or racist, but, you know? See, it, it already is, but it is what they're doing is racist instead of smart. You know, when you elect, when you look at the Congress and you look at, and they are so, you know, I, I ask Pete, there's no uh, moderate Republicans from the East Coast anymore. Mm. <laughs> and there's just no, hardly any moderate Republicans at all in Congress. And, you know, when you elect somebody based on your shared vision that you don't like gays and you're not for abortion and you hate immigrants and it's these sort of um, issues of passion. Right. You can't expect them in turn to craft economic policy. They don't know how. You mm. know, these are people who were school teachers and stuff who, who decided that they were pissed off about social issues that aren't that aren't that aren't they're just a belief system. Yeah. You know, I want somebody who wants to put religion back in school. Well, how is that going to, how does that translate into, and I've got this really great economic background that can help us get out of this mess. Right. It yeah. It no. sounds so like you're, they don't even have the skills to have the argument. It's, it's like getting like, hamburger recipes from an anorexic, really. Right. Yes, exactly. It, it is for real. And you know, it Do sounds like a cookbook from an anorexic. No, no. You know what it sounds like, Liz? It's, it sounds like you're, you're saying we're heading for civil war. <laughs> only this time it'll be a lot dumber. <laughs> so much dumber. Yeah, I mean, if you can't identify the difference between a Marxist and a socialist and a Muslim and a fascist, how are you even going to pick a uniform? Yeah, yeah. You're a a homosexual and a womanizer, sir. Yes. Yes, mister. (laughs) Um, Let's let's, uh, make it a little lighter. You have a couple projects that we wanted to talk to you about that are, first of all, related to what we're doing here, the idea of a podcast. Uh, you have something called the broadcast that you're doing with Darby Worley. T- tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. That is, we do a podcast. Darby works with me 
on a, a theater show that we do called Wake Up World, which is a satire of morning television. It's a theater show and a web show. And um, when we're not um, dressed up in our crazy, I sort of have this Kathy Lee character that I play. <laughs> awesome. And Darby plays one of those sort of um, lip-glossed, boobed-out newsbreak girls. And so <laughs> when we take off those clothes and they're just their regular selves, we do a podcast where we kind of do a recap of the news and the world and talk about stuff we care about. Um, so it's a little bit of politics, a little bit of pop culture, a little bit of uh, dating and personal life and um, it's it's fun. It's just kind of it kind of throws together a more complete uh, package of who we are as people. But um, it sounds like you're you're you approach it at the you approach it as characters. Do you? No, we don't. We do it. Oh, totally you don't. As okay. Ourselves. Oh, okay. the other yeah. thing they do. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk oh, about. I'm sorry, uh, getting mixed up. Um, uh, wake up world in a second. Um, yeah. Now the the broadcast and and if you haven't seen the website, it's uh, thebroadcast.us. Uh, broad is in capital letters and cast is not, and and that sort of uh, suggests a certain point of view. Um, what we're broad? Exactly, exactly. Now, what point of view do you hope to deliver that isn't kind of serviced with other podcasts or, or shows or media or what have you? you or know, what's is it missing? just a clever name? <laughs> yeah, I could be reading too much uh, into I think it. That what, what Darby and I try to do is. Uh, I think we try to ask, you know, we look at the world and the stuff that's happened, and I think what the service that hopefully we provide is, you know, through humor and a bit of incredulity, we hope to ask the same questions that just frustrated folks who listen are asking. You know, whether it's about the economy, whether it's about who won American Idol, whether it's about, <coughs> oh my God, my dog is humping me. Does anyone else have this problem? It's mortifying. Um, to whatever it is, I think that we try to be this voice of, um, okay, we're kind of going to admit that we don't know something, or we're kind of going to admit that we do this, and we think you probably do too, so we're going to talk about it so that people can have this sort of relatable, um, fun listen and feel like they can connect. And then occasionally we will have a guest on the show if there's a big news item that we um, really want to talk about. We try to have somebody on who's sort of smarter than us that we can say, okay, we've really wanted to ask somebody this question because we don't understand this at all. Help us out. And uh, so okay. it's, it's service-based, it's fun, it's a little bit um, TMI. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of putting ourselves out there. So sometimes I think the hardest thing that people go through in their life is feeling like they're sitting there alone with their shit. Mm, right. You know, it's like looking at somebody else's marriage. Nobody has a perfect one. Nobody has a perfect life either. Mm. And sometimes it can seem like people might, and then they kind of just start talking about their everyday crap, and you go, wow, I kind of don't feel alone. This is great. That's For you, cool. is this sort of uh, kind of a, a break from having to talk about the heavier issues? Is this a chance for you to kind of kind of relax and, and have fun instead of... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a chance for me to relax and have fun. It's also a chance for me to kind of uh, reveal a little bit about who I am. I talk a lot about what I think and what I believe in, but that all kind of comes from a place, and that place is, you know, this goofy girl from Minnesota. And so um, I think it gives people a chance to get to know who I am too, which I'm, I'm happy to do, and it's fun. Excellent. Well, that's the broadcast.us to find uh, the broadcast. And you have another project that you've been working on for a while. Now, it, uh, shootthemessengernyc.com is the website, but uh, we're really talking about something called Wake Up World. So, so tell yeah, us about that. Yeah, Shoot the that. Messenger. Yeah, Shoot the Messenger is my production company, and so the, the website is that. But Wake Up World is um, it's a morning show 
uh, it's a morning show satire that I was talking about earlier, um, where we sort of have taken um, all of the outlandish sort of tenets of all of the morning shows, whether it's Today Show, The View, uh, the you know, uh, Regis and Kelly, and we've combined it all into one live talk show that we also put on the web. And we have fake experts that come on, and it's um, it, it's it's basically what's interesting is there's about 27 hours of morning television on every day. <laughs> yeah. And most people get their information when they wake up in the morning from these places, and they turn it on and they have listened to it, and you kind of get three and a half minutes of everything they prioritize, like. Afghanistan war and Cajun cooking. <laughs> and yeah, does the yeah. jewelry make my butt look fat? Yeah. Most and, of it's um, crap. So you know? it's kind of like they're so stretching now for material because these shows, some are, some are three hours, some are four hours, and they are desperately trying to like just have a new spin on an old idea to the point where you're like, are you people kidding me? Yeah. If you it, have to have Kathy yeah. Lee on for your fourth hour of your show, maybe <laughs> you don't need four hours of your show. Exactly. <laughs> it just seems to be like uh, eating itself, you know, yeah. where the it, it becomes less and less and less substance. And personally speaking, I think the majority of those morning show, male or female hosts, are just assholes <laughs> like you get the feeling like it's so transparent you could tell they're being all nice and sweet and happy but you know as soon as things stop rolling they're just the biggest pricks Asshole. in the world yeah and bitches also, and assholes I am, I am part of the story factor like they're always inserting themselves yeah in they've got to talk yeah, yeah. about themselves yeah right or they'll, or they'll say you know I have a child and I know if something like this happened to my child yeah you yeah. know that's so stupid yeah. being a cat owner I, uh, yeah, this being is a an cat interesting owner story myself. for me yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah I'm gonna have my my colon checked on national television you should <laughs> just show Kate them did. just show them how oh, that you don't God need to sakes. be on uh NBC to get that done. That's uh, exactly right. One thing I saw you talk about was the fact that your writing staff uh, is far more predominantly female than 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 many other uh, productions out there. Uh, yeah, I've at, got seven female writers out of twelve. Well, if you go by uh, <laughs> history, uh, it's it almost seems impossible that you could find so many. Well, historically, <laughs> you know. It's been it, it has been an evol it's been it's been a tiny tiny bit of evolution, but you know I always say um, I, you got to hire where the funny is, and that's just the bottom line. And then when you're working in late night, then there's people a lot of people who write for late night. There's a lot of stand ups that do, and a lot of them want to pursue their own stand up career, so it cuts the pool off dramatically. Mm. And then you microcosm it even further to if you add any kind of like responding to the world, political or newsy kind of stuff, then that's even less of a pool of people that kind of focus on that. So you're really, your pool is pretty, it's pretty narrow to begin with. But I think as these shows get more popular and, uh, you know, people, there's been more and more female writers and um, writer performers. And so um, it's, I, I've, I've lucked out and found some really amazing 
uh, women through throughout the process of doing the show. So I'm thrilled. And do you find that that uh, things are getting better? Are they getting a little more balanced? Is there is there hope for someone who's a young female comedian to think, well, there is a place for me if I want to get involved in 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 that career? In late night. Uh, across the board. I mean, there's across stuff the being done. I mean, you I know. I think so. I mean, it's just the odds are so bad for everyone. You know, because it's just such a cutthroat field that we work in. And now with reality shows, you know, taking the place of comedies, every time there's a new reality show, that's a comedy that's pretty much out the window. Right, right. You know, so that's right. pretty, it's, it's pretty insane to think about it. And I think that, you know, like, uh, you know, I read articles where I hear people, you know, talk about, you know, the writer's rooms are really blue. And does that affect how a woman feels in the room? And I think that's really a sexist statement. I think that's like guys who don't want to hire women trying to make excuses to not hire women. Any woman would be insulted if you said you could basically what you're saying is you can't take a joke. Right. So oh, we can't have yeah. you on our staff. I guess that's what which, yeah. which is just utter crap. And that it's, is it's, it's kind of like telling a female uh, aspiring doctor that you, you don't want to be a surgeon. It, there's a lot of blood, and you that's can't right. handle it. Right. Yeah. If right. you can't handle it, don't go into the room. That's exactly, you know, it's funny. It's, it's the analogy that I use a lot. I say you wouldn't go into an emergency room medicine if you couldn't stand the sight of blood. There you, you go. Don't go yeah. into comedy if you, can't, if you can't handle a dirty joke. Exactly. Who, exactly. who you know, out there? And because, and because the line is so different for everyone, and the line is always moving, so you can't you can't say I'm offended. I, I, I'm fine with a joke up until this point. It's just not how comedy works. That that point is always moving and ever changing. And yeah. you always you would never really say that offends me. You would say I think that might offend most people. Instead of or you taking would say, it personally, that's not funny. That's what or I would say. Or just yeah, not yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Who out there, male, female, whatever? Are it? Do you really like watching right now? Who are you a big fan of these days? Um. Oh gosh, there's a lot of people out there who are so amazing. Um. I think Kumail Nanjiani is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um. Baron Vaughn is incredibly funny. Well, you work very um, yes. closely with him, so you see... I work very closely with Baron, yes. But he, aside from me, he's also a stand-up. Mm-hmm. Aside from doing Wake Up World and his stand-up. In fact, I bring him out on the road with me a lot because he's really, really great. Um, so when I go to stand-up, I often will bring him with me. There's a woman named Erin Judge who I love. Um, Dana Gould has always been one of my favorites. Oh, he's great. He is very Yeah, good. he's terrific. Um, I love... I'm trying to think who I love. Um... Well, if we put this out there, we're not going to say this is the definitive Liz Winstead list right, of people she likes. So, exactly. And so, yeah, there's just John Oliver is a very funny stand-up. Um, there's a lot of folks out there who I love right now. Do you so, like uh, Do you like Zach Galifianakis? By the way, I, you know, I do. I haven't seen Zach do stand-up for a really long. The last time I saw him, he was at the piano. And and um, yes. playing, and it was like ten years ago, and I laughed really hard at his stand-up. So yeah, I do think he's funny. I, yeah. I don't know what. Oswald's always hilarious. Right. No. Pat and, Oswald. Um, I, saw, I saw Chappelle recently do one of his marathon uh, three-hour sets. Jeez! Wow. And oh it was God. literally every word was hilarious. Can you? Wow. Really, I can't even imagine. You know, I, I I still struggle sometimes to get three minutes worth of laughs exactly. when I go on. Exactly. Three effing hours. Yeah. It was just astounding. It, it, he really, I watched it, and I'm not one to sit and watch one stand-up actor who is for three hours. 
And it really did make me think he may be the greatest stand-up comic, like, ever. I think history will record him as such. I really do. Until someone yeah. comes and topples him, I think. Yes. It's like the Highlander. But, I like, think. in 200 years, yeah, it would happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Anyway, Liz Winstead, thank you so much for coming yes. on the show. We, Josh, we are. Thank you so much for having me. What a fun podcast you have, and, and best of luck. And um, you'll have to come on mine. Oh, please. We would love to. You name it, we are there. The commercials uh, will be there. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Liz Thanks, Winstead. Guys. Thank you. Uh, that is Liz Winstead. Uh, if you want to visit any of her sites and projects, you can go to thebroadcast.us or shootthemessengernyc.com. You can find her on Huffington Post. You can find her on. Uh, MSNBC, Twitter. She, Twitter. You're on uh, Facebook. That's how we met, and you you pretty much have every single avenue cornered, and that you cannot avoid Liz Winstead, even if you want to. And we couldn't be happier. That's true. Yes, that's right. Thank you again, and uh, we will hopefully talk to you very soon. Thanks, guys. All right, take All right. care, Liz. Have a good night, Liz. Bye. You are listening to the Commercials Free Podcast on the Commercials TV and the Magic of iTunes. When we come back, we're going to be playing. Ask the expert. Ask the expert. We'll be right back. Bye. Dad has a ghost book. Hey, that's a yep, buddy. Is this the kind of advertising you want when you have your advertisement advertised? Are you an idiot? Don't be. Be smart and advertise at thecommercials.tv. Not only will we put your awesome, totally cool super graphics on our site as banners, we'll also mention, make, produce, and do an ad in our actual podcast. Actual podcast. Actual podcast. If the podcast isn't actual, we'll give your money back. Thecommercials.tv. Advertise there in your underwear. Back here on the Commercials Free Podcast. Oh, man, I must have been stoned when we made that spot, because I don't even know what that means or why I said that. You know what I liked most about it is that it sounded like Bob Dylan for part of it. (laughs) 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 Thecommercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. How good was Liz Winstead? Wow. She is so cool. Oh, man. Intelligence, a, a very good political stance, and humor... In a woman are three of the sexiest things in the world. I told you, Ken's got this uh, little bit of a crush on Liz Winston. I think I might. Yeah. I think I might have to go to her house and confront her about it in a, at a time that's really inappropriate, like three in the morning or something. Yeah, you, what you should probably do is get yourself a trench coat and some Good. baggy pants and a, and a boom box. Oh. Hold over your head. And it'll sing a song that goes like this. On your expression, the good things that come, your your expression, the things you are doing. I think I don't I don't want to suffer from copyright infringement. No, we want to avoid licensed music. So we're, but I think you could come up with something. Peter Gabriel would be like, (laughs) (laughs) Peter Gabriel would be like, I would have been more pissed off if you Salisbury Hill, but you can have that one. That's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. Peter Gabriel sounds a lot like Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> but I th- okay, let's, help me. All right, 
having been so inspired by Liz Winstead and her appearance here on our program, which we want to defies do logic, that makes us feel as cool as her. Yes, you're right. Well, first of all, I want to make sure that we know uh, we we make mention that uh, for appearing on our show, uh, Liz will receive a special pack of macaroons from MostlyMacaroons.com. Uh, mostly macaroons. Stuff. These yeah. are really delicious. Dave gave me some of them, or his, or his wife gave me some to try, and they're just killer. Absolutely delicious. Mostly macaroons creates delicious homemade baked treats for gift baskets, party favors, special events, or your own personal enjoyment. Visit them online at www.mostlymacaroons.com. Now, in addition to this uh, party, uh, or this uh, gift pack of macaroons, we wanted to do something a little special for Liz Winstead, and that is create a new song that would be hoisted above Ken's head as he stands outside right. her apartment. That's right. To confront her about his <coughs> his little crush. Yeah. So, so I think we're going to do that now because I, I think I think she needs to know first of all how I feel. It's important. And communication is the, is the I'd say the cornerstone of any successful creepy relationship. Oh, yeah, especially the creepy Especially ones. when it's one-sided and unrequited. I I would say so. Yeah. So here it goes. Here it is. Didn't talk much in the interview I was scared you would think me Someone stupid or inconsequential Liz Winstead I asked the questions that were relevant to your career and I didn't seem to feel, no, I didn't feel no fear. Dave wouldn't feel threatened because he's married with a ball and chain. But I'm fancy free, baby. You've got to come to me, baby. Let me be your one and only. I sing Service repairman, just so I can get 
into your lobby. Unlawful entry. Basically, what I'm saying is have sex with me, then marry me, then give me your heart, and only stay at home with me, and don't work anymore, and have my babies and give me full control. That's love. Listening to the Commercials Free Podcast on www.thecommercials.tv as well as the magic of iTunes. That was a special song that went on for about 15 minutes, which hopefully, in and of itself, exhibits the How craziness of Ken's small little crush on Liz Winstead. I don't think it's a crush anymore, Dave. I think it's a psychosis. It's developed into one really quick because we just talked to her five minutes ago and I'm already in the downward spiral. I've started drinking. Yeah. I, 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 have a, I have a gambling problem all of a sudden. What I don't understand is, I mean, when I got here, you had just gotten out of the shower, and you are already a week dirty. I'm freaking filthy. Yeah. And I reek of cheap liquor. And what's funny is, like, all I see are wrappers from fast food burgers, but you're, you're thin as a rail. Like, you haven't eaten uh, in a week. Things are not going well, Dave. I really just can't. I got to do so. I think I, Dave, will you, you help me get help or whatever I need? Yeah, sure, man. The just, wagon just is unhitched. Right, yeah, dude, dude, point me in the right direction because I'm, I'm not thinking clearly. She's all I think about, man, and this can't be right. This doesn't feel right. You know what it is? You're going to have to go through complete detox. You can't watch TV. You can't be on the internet. You can't listen to the radio. And I can't read the Huffington Post? No, no. Those things are now verboten. You're allowed to read uh, textbooks written in 1968 and you can go to the park but only a park where we know Liz Winstead will not be going may I read Gulliver's Travels anything written prior to 1968 you got yourself a deal okay fine Let's do this. I think you're gonna be okay I, I think have... I'm gonna come out of this stronger I think you're gonna be great okay we're gonna move on to a new segment here on the commercials free podcast that is uh, something we like to call ask the experts now you mm-hmm. can contribute to this. You can either call us on our hotline, 347-829-PUNK. Punk. P-U-N-K, 347-829-7865. Or you can send us a question to info at thecommercials.tv. And all you got to do is just ask us a question. Ask a question ask a of question. us. Yes. And we will answer the question that you are asking. That is how it works. That Not is- another question. But the no. one you asked. We won't beat around the bush and answer questions that you had no intention of asking. Or had to ask at all. That's exactly right. We will answer directly the question asked by you of us. And you can direct this individually to, to Ken or to, to me, Dave. Or to us both. We will both answer. Fuck it. Fuck it. Or to us both. Or to neither of us, for that matter, because yeah. we can still work with that. Or send us a statement. It doesn't even have to be a question. Ken, what is our first question? Our first question of the day comes from Julie Grady from Lynchburg, Virginia. And her question reads, Dear Ken, I'm having a lot of trouble in Photoshop deleting my background, or more specifically, taking someone and separating them from the background, or as it's called, silhouetting. Mm. What's the best way to do this? That's, of course, a question directed at me. Yeah, that was one directed at you, right. of course. <laughs> well... 
a lot of people don't understand that Photoshop is based on a, a, a layers. It's layers. Right. You put one layer, you got layer one is maybe an image of a dog. Layer two is an image of a cat. And mm-hmm. You could put the face of the cat on the dog by erasing everything but the cat's face and putting it on the dog, if that makes sense to you. Right, sure. It's like sort of they can act independently of one another, and what affects the dog doesn't need necessarily affect exactly, the cat. Exactly, yes, exactly. Okay. Um, but more on one thing that's really, really important. Uh, for you to understand, Julie, is that in order you, for you to fully understand Photoshop, uh, you have to really have some face time with me. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I want you to get on a bus, preferably, a, you know, like Greyhound. I guess I'll pay for it. Come up. We'll have a couple drinks. You could stay in my bed. Um, my computer's not working right now, so we won't be able to do much Photoshop stuff, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I'm very acrobatic. I'm in good shape, and uh, I like um, I like my bacon crispy, but not so crispy that it's like all right, this is crunchy and burnt tasting. Mm. So uh, we'll get together and we'll take care of that. And um, as long as you haven't had any children um, and are drug and disease free. I think I'm going to be able to help you out with your Photoshop. Yeah. Problem. So, all right, Julie, yeah. there you go. There's, There's your answer there you from go. an expert. And uh, if you want to set up uh, your uh, travel uh, arrangements, you can call us three four seven eight two nine punk or seven eight six five. Let us know. Or just send an email info at thecommercials.tv. This one actually is also directed at Ken, <coughs> which I think is uh, is interesting. Okay. Uh, this one is from Kate Winchell in Devon, Pennsylvania. Uh, Ken, I read that the Large Hadron Collider is once again active in Switzerland. And what I'd like to know is, what out of you does that scare? Now, if you're not familiar with this, this is a... I know. This is... Well, I'm, I'm talking to you, not you. I know. Euphemistically, the audience. I was just being a dick. <clears throat> Go on. Yeah. Uh, what we... Because yeah, we're doing a show. Yes. Is this what this is? This is a show. Uh, if if uh, you haven't heard of this, uh, what they do is they fire uh, m- m- molecules at one another, and they're trying to recreate the Big Bang, and a lot of people have theorized... Not entirely accurate, Dave. It is they're actually firing sim- subnucleonic particles at one another. Oh, okay. Nobody fires molecules <clears throat> at other things. It, These it, are at the atomic level. So they'd be like protons and neutrons. Okay, fine. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Okay. I was trying to, I was trying to right. make it simplified, and I oversimplified, and I used wrong terminology. But the important thing yes. is they're trying to learn how basically the Big Bang happened and perhaps right. even recreate the smallest amount of the Big Bang. But there are people who theorize that by doing so, they're going to kill us all. Right. And what I guess uh, Kate wants to know is, does that scare you? Well, first of all, the prospect of a um, man-made black hole being created inside this this uh, this particle collider, because uh, what people don't really understand is that the amount of energy released during the Big Bang is astronomical. I wouldn't even use the term astronomical. I would use immeasurable. Mm. And recreating those uh, those uh, conditions has a, a, a very high risk of releasing uncontrolled amount of energies exponentially through what's called a nucleonic chain reaction. Mm. Now, a nucleonic chain reaction, what it actually does is for a brief, and we're talking about one one millionth 
uh, of a second, nanoseconds really, what that happens is it creates a tear in space, if you will. Uh, two uh, temporal vertices that would normally intersect on a lateral plane in this uh, dimensional rift that's being caused, um, they actually shift to a, a, a different orientation, rotation, in relation to one, one another. That will cause a, a, an exponential raise in density, matter, correlation, relationship, and actually make this part of space so dense that it actually starts to collapse in on itself and create a black hole. All right, so what can someone like uh, uh, Kate do uh, to more fully understand what's happening with the Hadron Collider? Well, Kate, uh, I understand your concerns. It is something to be kind of concerned about. I'm assuming you're between the age of 18 and 29. What you can first do really to protect yourself is number one, take off your panties and just wear a short skirt, uh, maybe a top that's revealing, something that shows off your mm, freckly shoulders or your soft hair or your pretty mouth. Get yourself on a Greyhound bus, um, go ahead and come into the Port Authority, uh, take a cab to my house, um, and we'll just start uh, taxing it, really. Uh, I'll sit in my um, my, uh, my my chair, and you can kind of straddle me and stuff like that. And uh, we'll do some stuff. We'll do some things we we we, we won't regret. And uh, I really think that's the direction that that uh, she should go in, Dave. All right, Kate. If you want to set up some uh, travel plans with Ken, you can give us a call three four seven eight two nine punk p u n k seven eight six. I think we have time for one more. One more. Yeah, question. one more question. That's uh, what do you? This got? question is directed towards Dave. And it comes from Jostenport, Nebraska, mm-hmm. from a guy named Jonathan Rochard. Okay. Jonathan Rochard writes, Dear Dave of the Commercials.tv. That's very nice. Yeah. You, right? you used your full title. Mm-hmm. I recently became aware of a special someone in your life. That special someone is also very special to me. Oh. Well. Do you know who I mean? And if so, let's talk about it. Fill me in. Love. Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan. Jonathan. Uh, I assume that's he was going to sign it, Jonathan. I kind of jumped on the gun there. Right, right, right. uh, Jonathan, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I think I have a couple tips for you. A little insight. Being a married man, I know a little something about love, and I think I can catch your vibe, even though it's uh, dictated to me by Ken. I think I could read between the lines here. Love is a funny thing. You know, it's fleeting, it's exciting, it's dangerous, it's terrifying. But most of all, if you feel it's there, it's there. And I understand that the love I may have for the people in my life may actually encourage you to explore feelings of love that you have as well. So I can totally understand why you would find yourself feeling special feelings about somebody who I know. So what I can suggest to you is this. Get on a Greyhound bus, make your way to Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, go to Ken's apartment, wear uh, a button-down shirt, a couple chains, some sunglasses that you don't wear on your eyes, but you know more on your forehead, and jeans that don't cost 15 bucks. And Ken will show you the world of the internet in ways you never realized could were possible. 
And knowing Ken the way I do, he's going to take you on a tour that just won't end. And you'll stay for a weekend, but you'll remember it for a lifetime. That's true. Yeah. So if you want to make those uh, travel plans, Jonathan, give us a call. 347-829-PUNK. That's P-U-N-K. Punk. 829-7865. Or, of course, you can always email us. Info at thecommercials.tv. That's about all we time we have for Ask the Experts. We, it's about all the time we have for that. And it's it's f- interesting how... how Really, all questions boil down to one simple solution. It doesn't that always the way, though. I mean, that's yeah. sort of the way of the world. Is that there? There are very few real answers in the world. It's just a matter of connecting the questions with the right answers. Like, well, like one day, day my dad was like, "Son, should I let my hair just go gray or should I keep dying?" Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, let's have sex. Yeah, yeah. Go and, and usually a greyhound bus is involved. Well, yeah. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. Uh, greyhound bus. Hey, guess what? That's about all the time we have for another edition of the Commercials Free Podcast. Ken. Oink. Ken Pond, ladies and gentlemen. What a guy. I'm raising my eyebrows up and down. Want to say thanks to Liz Winstead, who was great. The hottest guest ever. Want to thank the guy who called us Ricky. Want to thank Jigsaw. And I want to thank Ken Pond, who is, is an excellent sport. Oh, they don't thank me yet. I'm just getting wound up. Well, we will be back next week. We hope you will join us. Until then, please continue to visit us at thecommercials.tv and send us an email at info at thecommercials.tv. Say goodbye, Ken. Goodbye, Ken. Goodbye, Ken. We'll see you next week. <laughs>